I'm RJ Bell with the sports betting headlines for Wednesday. This is a day where Vegas has their verdict. Number one, Dodgers win. What does it do to the odds of them winning the World Series? They saved their season. What's the odds? Number two, the Dolphins. Their season might be over, but if they get Deshaun Watson, what would be the effect? And finally, Baker Mayfield out. That's tomorrow's game. What does that mean to the odds? Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. Live on a Wednesday midweek where we turn our gaze forward. What's going to be happening live on 225 FSR stations. And we're live from Las Vegas. And this is a great, great nation. No doubt about it. In studio, we got A.J. Hoffman. Now, sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. He is the fan who beats the man, A.J. Hoffman. Thanks, R.J. Great to be here on a Wednesday where we find out that Baker Mayfield's not going to play tomorrow night. The Texans may have a potential trade in the works for Deshaun Watson. And the two biggest NBA title favorites dropped their season openers last night. What is the Vegas lead? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, in this Deshaun Watson story because you spent... What, 40 years in Houston? 40 years. No, that's not true. Well, you're 41. <laughs> You've been I, either Austin or Houston your whole life, right? Besides Except when you were in the service. When I was in the Army, yeah. And where were you stationed at? In Tennessee. Okay, okay. And I went to college in Tennessee. I, you know, I, you most know, of my life, I would say, in Texas. It's kind of funny with uh, Orgeron you know, out at LSU. We'll talk about that a little bit, too. Is I, had, uh, I was down in Houston years ago. My best buddy was uh, the ops guy down there in the football team. And one of their coordinators was thinking about going to Cincinnati at the time. I mean, this is 15 years ago. And he goes, I don't know if I'd like it up north. And say, so, yeah, it makes sense. He goes, I spent a year in Arkansas once. He said, no, I don't like it up north. <laughs> so it's a, it's a different thing in Texas, no doubt. But let's start with a different thing in the NFL. Baker Mayfield, he's out. What's Vegas saying, et cetera? Yeah, the news came out this morning. Baker Mayfield out against the Denver Broncos for Thursday night football. The line was Cleveland minus three and a half. Now Broncos plus three. Well, no, then Broncos plus three. Now Broncos plus one and a half. So line movement from started last night. McKenzie told Maybe us you should leave the line to me. I, I apologize. I should have. <laughs> but let's start over. Let's start over because whenever the trick to this is let's do one increment at a time. So what the line was when Baker listen Browns had just gotten dominated when this line came out world opener and. You know, there were early lines in the summer. There was lines last week, but there is the world opener, which is for this week's games. It opens up. It's at a lot of places at that point. Because uh, the thing about the summer line, thing about the look ahead line, it's not readily available. You can find it if you find a specific book that that does 
look-aheads, hey, you got it. But mo- a vast majority of people are, don't have access to it. But it does give us a gauge, right? So, but then you got the world opener. So, Mackenzie, uh, with all those distinctions, w- the world opener in the Browns Thursday game was Cleveland by six. All right, so Browns by six. Okay, then it was announced. Baker's out. So, what happened in the interim? I don't care. Rumors, innuendo. When Baker was out, where did the line move to? Browns only favored by one and a half. Okay. So, now here's the thing. I'm going to do a little quick math here. <laughs> All right. That's four and a half points of adjustment. I just Is that correct? That is I, accurate. I just checked my calculator. All right. right on. All right. You did that in your head? Yeah, I mean, listen, there's a reason I have this show. It's, uh, it's not just charm. Now, <laughs> what are you laughing at? Now... <laughs> I think Baker Mayfield is worth more than four and a half, but is he? The backup is Case Keenum. Now, the thing about Case Keenum is he has had, in the last couple, or I guess three or four years, one of the top dozen seasons of any quarterback. If you look, go back and look when he was at Minnesota, and he was, I think, third or second in QBR. Now, it's been a few years, but it's not like he's old. It's not like Case Keenum is old. So, why he's kind of like a Fitzpatrick in that he doesn't have the arm. He doesn't have all the skills. But, man, in a short burst, he can be as good as anyone. So, to some degree, if, if Baker Mayfield were backed up by an average backup, I think this line moves more. And I also think the thing about the minus six is the, the world opener, it accounted for the fact that Baker was less than 100%. When he had the shoulder for weeks and weeks, but then he took that hit from Watt and it was like, wow, like he really looks hurt, right? He's back in the tent. Uh, I mean, just watching that, watching the the recaps of the games, it was obvious that in front of mind of people was Baker's banged up, wouldn't you say? I would say that. I also think there's a cluster injuries for the Browns. Chubb was already out. He's well, but, not- but let, we're changing the subject here. So, I mean, I, I think okay, I, I think that is a valid point. We can look aside and say, but that probably affects what we're trying to do is a, is separate the Baker effect from the other effects. Chubb being out, he's on the IR. They knew when that minus six came out that he was out. But they didn't know that Kareem Hunt was also going to be well, out. Well, they did when that minus six came out. The minus six is the world opener, okay. yep. not the look ahead. So if we look at the look ahead, it's not going to have accounted for that. And again, this is, listen, this is stuff that most shows don't even talk about, and you're going to be ignorant if you don't know. So, we'll keep it simple, which is when the minus six came out, it was known the Baker was banged up. It was known that Chubb was out. It was known that Hunt was hurt. Now, was he going to be out for an extended period? We don't know. That's uncertain. Right? Does that sound like a fair recap? It is, except Nick Chubb wasn't certainly going to be out. He, well, Nick Chubb's he not on the, IR. Well, really? Yeah, Nick Chubb was he was announced out, and he got announced out officially for Thursday yesterday. Wow. Okay. So first off, if he wasn't on, I thought he was on the three week IR. You want to check that, guys? But if not, um, it seemed like the narrative. It seemed like the assumptions were. That he that wasn't even viable that he was playing this week. Now, did, did the line hold out a little bit of hope that he would? Maybe. And if that, and then we'll find out. But if if that then was removed, the hope went from five percent to zero percent. It would have been a modest adjustment. I think what you got mixed up that Kareem Hunt is the one they put on IR after the game. 
Nick Chubb not on IR. He was question or doubtful, I think, and now they've ruled him yeah, out. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was questionable. Um, but, okay, so now we've gotten way afield. Maybe let's try to bring it back to what I want to talk about. Is that fair? That is fair. All right, we're straight out of Vegas. We want to talk about the Browns going from minus six to minus one and a half and Baker being like, well, wait a minute. Baker is... Is he an elite quarterback? Is he supposed to make $40 million? Does he think he's as good as Dak? If he is, why is the line only moving that modest amount? And my point would be, hey, it was known that he was banged up, obviously. Also, Case Keenum is an elite backup. As we mentioned, in 2017, he had the second highest quarterback rating QBR in the NFL. Number two. So... Whoever was number, I think, uh, was who was number one that year? That was Carson Wentz here. He was number one. Ooh. Tom Brady, three. Okay. So if you say, okay, you were second, there was one guy ahead of you who, by the way, let's not worry about who that was. <laughs> and then Tom Brady was right behind you. You've done pretty well. And QPR is, is as good as any single measure. Yeah, and this year in particular for Baker Mayfield, having his worst QBR year to date. Yeah, his, he's, his worst so far was his rookie year, 51.2. His current QBR, 41.6. So Baker Mayfield not playing at an elite level, certainly. Valid point. And listen... On average, it's about 50, though it's drifted up the QBR average because quarterback play has, has, since they set that baseline, it's improved in the league, the rules, evolution and such. And the passing camps and the seven-on-seven and all that stuff, in theory, quarterback play is getting better. To be at 41 is well below average, no doubt. And it was a disappointing year. And I, I think that's the last point to this, which is Baker Mayfield has underperformed. Forget the three and three and all that. He's underperformed expectations. You add it all up, one of the better backups in the league, already banged up, having a bad year for him. And still the line moved from six to one and a half. You could almost make the case that that's a pretty big move, that that's a lot of respect for Baker Mayfield, given the givens. Do you feel like that's a fair move? Are you more inclined, A.J. Hoffman, or less inclined to play the Browns? More inclined to play the Browns, because I don't think the drop-off from the version of Baker Mayfield that we've had this season, the banged-up version, which he's been banged up now for, what, three, four weeks before this. Mm-hmm. McKenzie has a split we'll get to in a second, but go ahead. But I don't think the drop-off to Case Keenum, who you, I think, wisely said, is one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. He's not a guy. He's a guy you don't want to be your starter because his upside feels Mm -hmm. limited, Mm -hmm. but he's a very, very solid guy to have backing up someone. I mean, you could make the case the pedigree post-injury for Teddy Bridgewater is pretty analogous to Keenum, except Bridgewater's never had a year as in any point of his career as good as 2017 was for Keenum. Now, the question becomes, do you potentially adjust now it's four years later, and is he at the point where there's a downward trend? You know, let's get Keenum's exact age up. Um, also, and listen, we're not one to stir the pot like some. We are cold cash over hot takes at Straight Out of Vegas. But you got to say, November 2nd, the trade deadline. If the Browns, and let me put this out there as a hypothetical, meaning it's possible, it's not actually irrational. The Brown, let's see if you agree with these points. The Browns are one of the most forward-thinking teams analytically. Yes. Another way to say that would be they're not going to be held back by dogma. 
What's dogma? It's old thinking that people have an attachment to. You hear religious dogma a lot. Oh, look, you can't do that because the church says this. Okay, a lot of people believe in that, and in a way that there's no judgment at all, but their beliefs are secondary at times to what the authority says. Now, if you're the type to say, we don't care about authority, I fight authority, authority always wins, as John Cougar would say. If you're that type, then you're not going to let convention dictate. But as we talked about yesterday, the math on going forward on fourth down, which has been a revolution this year, the math has been there for years and years. It's just people haven't had the guts to go against dogma, to go against this is the way you do it. Because when you do something different than the way you do it, if you're wrong, you get in a lot of trouble. A lot of people are mad. Why don't you just do it the way we know works? Well, the Browns have been gutsy in this new regime to say they're going to do it their way. They don't care about the dogmatic thinking of the past. Would the Browns maybe be the first team to say, you know something? Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback. He's not worth what he's asking. The whole thing that, that they tried to do with Dak in Dallas, Dallas tried to say, you're not worth what you're asking. Well, they kept playing chicken and chicken, and finally Dak kept playing well. And at some point, Jerry Jones said, geez, I'm looking at the actuarial tables. I don't have that much longer to go. I'm not going to start over. right?" So he gave in. Could the Browns be the first team to say, you know what? We got him this year. We'll keep him. But let's trade for someone really good. I don't know. Deshaun Watson, maybe? I mean, he's available, apparently. There's rumored to be a deal. But maybe it's not Deshaun. Maybe it's somebody else. But now it's like, you know what? This player we get may or may not be better than Baker, but he most likely would be cheaper. And if they were going to do that in the offseason, remember, Baker's in his, his fourth year, right? So... Next year's his 50-year option that's already been picked up. But after that, I mean, it's time to sign him. So, in theory, what you're talking about is if the Rams had traded Goff for Stafford before they paid Goff. And before Goff was considered to be someone you had to put a first-round pick around his neck. Exactly. Send him to stay at the aunt's house, like crumb cake. If you pay Baker Mayfield that kind of money, Baker Mayfield could quickly turn into Jared Goff. And the th- well, See, I, I think it's a great question and analogy. Here's the distinction. I think golf, here's what people forget. And they were talking about this on a pod recently. I can't remember which one. If you actually look at at, on the Super Bowl year of Jared Goff, if you actually look at his stats, like six or seven games through the season, like pretty much where we are now, he has better numbers than Stafford has right now. In fact, let's do this. Let's take a break When we come back, we're going to compare Stafford, who a lot of people are saying, oh, he's the savior. How good are his numbers? And then we're going to compare him to, I don't know, Jared Goff. And my point is going to be, when we look at these numbers, it's not just that they paid Goff. It's they paid Goff and Goff got a lot worse. Right Now, the question becomes, Baker Mayfield, would he get worse? I don't know. This year's been a down year. But if they pay him, they can't have all that amazing support around him. That's what Colin's been talking a lot about. And is it possible that the Browns are going to say, you know what? He's hurt this year. Let's make such a trade. We'll get rid of him at some. Maybe they trade him now. Who knows? 
But if any team would do it, it's the Browns. And if any quarterback might deserve it or it'd be warranted with, it's Baker Mayfield. We'll get right to the numbers. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm R.J. Bell, and we are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. In just a minute, we're going to take a look at Matthew Stafford through six games versus Jared Goff through six Ooh. games of his Super Bowl year because Ooh. we're talking about if, if Baker Mayfield, if you pay Baker Mayfield, does he become Jared Goff? Well, but I think it's even more than that. I think it's how good was Jared Goff? How good is he now? And this is especially relevant. I don't know if you noticed this. Jared Goff is playing a certain Mr. Coach McVay. So this is a very relevant conversation. It's a great, great day to join. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. You spread the word, support the show. We're supporting you the best we can with laughter and winners. That's why, listen, if you give me laugh, if someone says, uh, RJ, what are you doing tonight? I don't know. What are you thinking? I am offering you laughter and winners. That's a good good night. Tell me what time to be there. (laughs) Six Eastern, three Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio, straight out of Vegas is the time to be here. Here in Vegas on the Strip, 74 degrees, the neon is pumping. So, RJ, let's take a look at those numbers. Matt Stafford through six games this year. Which there's MVP talk. In fact, where's he at on the MVP rankings of the odds? McKenzie. I'll grab that. No, he's 12 to 1. He's fifth or sixth. Let me grab that. All right, so he's one of the leaders when it comes to MVP. That's this year. That's this year. Jared Goff in the Super Bowl year, not that long ago, a couple years ago. This is a guy who last year was traded or in the offseason was traded in which they gave a number one pick to Detroit. It was literally like I referenced in the last segment. I don't know if you've ever been around cousins and like in an ethnic kind of, you know, upbringing. Oftentimes it's like, go to your Aunt Irene's or Aunt Mary's and hey, here's some pineapple upside down cake she likes. Bring her the tray of it and you stay with her tonight. I think that there's a transaction there. There's a transaction. Okay. Jared Goff had a first round pick around his neck like a pineapple upside down cake in his arms to go over to Detroit. You stay here now. This is your new home. <laughs> think about that. Honestly, I think Campbell already regrets taking that cake. I don't know because if you're go- <laughs> if you're going for a high draft choice, it was a good because you got the number one and you got <laughs> some other uh, value potentially. Stafford this year, by the way, the sixth favorite to win the MVP, twelve to one odds. Okay, if you look at his performance this year, and let's keep in mind. Quarterback play has improved just in a few years, so the baseline's gone up. QBR, Stafford versus Goff is about the same. No real distinction. Yards per, they're both in the low to mid-70s. Yards per attempt, which Fezzik believes is one of the key analytical measures. I think if you can just have a plain stat you can get from the newspaper, probably yards per attempt is the best one to say. how good. Every time you snap the ball and drop back, how many yards do you gain? Because ultimately, that tells you the whole story. Or almost the whole story. 
Goff had 9.9 yards per attempt. That's as good as, I mean, that's about as good as you can do. Stafford this year has 9.2. That's seven-tenths less. And you know what? 9.2 is mighty good. 9.9 is amazingly good. Yards per game, Goff had more. Completion percentage, Stafford had him by a little bit. So really, by any measure, you can't say Stafford's year this year, so far, is better than Goff was through six games, that's the apples to apples, his Super Bowl year. What's the takeaway? Why are we making such a big deal? Why am I talking in a loud voice about it? Well, here's why. One, it shows you nothing tells you anything that you can really be sure of in six games. So whatever you think you know, Washington's horrible. And, oh, my gosh, is Arizona better than people think or thought coming into the year? When A.J. says, you know, I'm not sure about Arizona yet, there's a chance he's right. Now, the, the evidence is piling up against him. But there's a chance he's right. Like Jared Goff, you could have looked at those numbers after six games and said, this is one, he's, a hall, he's on a Hall of Fame path. If you would have said, which young quarterbacks are on a Hall of Fame path after six games, the Super Bowl year of the Rams, Golf would have been probably at the top of that list, if not one of the top, as in young quarterbacks that were going to make the Hall of Fame. Do you debate that, AJ? No, you cannot debate it. So what's it telling us? One, short sample sizes don't really matter all that much. Right? Because even by the end of that year, all of those numbers across the board were substantially down for yes. golf. And it all turned – it. it Blame Nick Fan or Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio was the DC of Chicago. We remember there was a night game. Was that Thanksgiving? Maybe there was a. I, I don't think it was a Sunday night game, but it was a maybe twelve games into the season. It was a night game. It was cold, and it was all this talk about golf has small hands, and the cold really bothers him, and what Fangio ended up doing. And listen, I am not an expert at. X's and O's, but I've really spent some time on it recently trying to learn more. And my understanding is it was the way that the D linemen were face up over the the offensive linemen, covering them up, as they call it, I think. And it was just something that they hadn't really dealt with before. And it was something that there's never been an answer to. It was Sunday Night Football week 14, December okay. 9th. All right. Yeah. A 15-6 Chicago Bears win. That was the second loss of the season so for the Rams to that One point. loss coming in. Yep. I mean, the week all, 14. Week 14. And they were the clear Super Bowl favorites. And the Bears dominated them. I mean, they dominated them. And Golf has never recovered because there's nothing Golf can do. Because that's what Belichick, as much as Belichick gets a lot of credit in that Super Bowl, it was a, it was a situation where uh, Fangio did it first and Golf has never recovered. Now, what we've seen this year is the Rams have changed the offense around Stafford and they've recovered. It's like you can't do that against Stafford. And thus, in a way, it wasn't even a bad trade. We're not saying it was a bad trade. It's golf turned into something different because of the scheme changes against him. And let's bring it back to Baker Mayfield.
because they decided to pay Goff after three years. They said, how soon can we pay this future Hall of Famer? What's the quickest the league will allow us to pay him? Okay, after three years, then as soon as we can, let's get into a heavy negotiation after three years and lock him up. And by the way, lock up at Gurley, too. We want to lock him up. Well, whoops and whoops. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the best decision in the world, but the Browns are more forward thinking. The Browns are less dogmatic. And the Browns said, you know what? We could pay Baker. We could stop all this conversation on first take and those kind of shows. We're not going to. So right off the go, the fact they don't sign him after three years when they could tells you the Browns are open to not signing him. They're saying, show me, right? Yeah, and which is wild to think about because what franchise have we talked about the most not being able to find a franchise quarterback or even a semblance of it, a fan base that's just hungry for anybody to put their arms? Probably since Bernie Kosar, the Browns haven't had a quarterback that the fans felt good about until right now. And I, listen, I was a kid during the Bernie years. There was no reason to feel good about him either. <laughs> well, compared to Johnny Football and Tim Couch, Bernie Kosar was Joe Montana. I can't lie, I like Tim Couch. <laughs> I thought, I thought he, I thought he was like a, he was a Mahomes before Mahomes. <laughs> the league just wasn't ready for Tim Couch. He played a before Kentucky his time under How Mummy, if I recall. I know a little bit about that run and shoot tree, but I'll tell you this: it's fascinating because if they did say show us Baker, if the Browns said show us Baker, show us how good you really are. What's he shown this year, AJ? He's shown that he's not very durable, uh-huh. and he's shown that— Well, you could look at it two ways. You could say he played through an injury. It's tough. So you admit, Baker Mayfield's tough. No matter what Colin Cowherd says in FSR, <laughs> Baker Mayfield is tough. I do think he's tough, but I also think he was in a situation where he felt like he needed to prove himself— and where maybe two, three weeks ago, if he were paid, if he were fat and happy, Ooh. he sits out then— now he's like, I've got to make something happen this season. So he goes out there 70%, 60%, whatever he's at, compromised. Now that is an assumption. And I hope Baker, I don't know if you're somehow associated with Baker Mayfield's PR agency, but what you're saying is the best possible takeaway from all this is last year's Baker was the truth. If anything, he would have gotten better. But because he got hurt, and if you look at his stats before he got hurt, and you compare them to the stats after he got hurt, it's going to tell the story that Baker was as good, if not better, as the season uh, started, when he was 100% healthy. So before the injury, now listen, this injury happened about about 20% through the second game. So let's call it 1.2 games. Okay. 1.2 games, his yards per attempt was better than Jared Goff was, 11.5 yards per attempt. His completion percentage, lucky 7 7, 77%. Good. Good. (laughs) When you're throwing for 11.5, remember, uh, Aaron Rodgers and all of the, the mythology of his greatness. He really was amazingly good his first four or five years. He had an eight and a half yards per attempt. Yards per attempt was eight and a half. The average now in the NFL is like 7.4. So 7.4 is average. Eight and a half is amazing. 11 and a half is crazy. No, no player could even hope to do that. It was only 1.2 games, but it's still 11 and a half yards, 77%. So the narrative Baker once is we were good last year in year three. We got even better, and you saw it when he was unhindered. But then a tragic 
perhaps some would say debilitating injury to his non-throwing shoulder. Well, listen now. I mean, you know how it is when I mean, you were a uh, undefeated you or um, pro- professional MMA fighter, one and zero, one and zero. And you had how many amateur fights? Four. I'm guessing even at that level, when you were hurt and one one place was hurting a little bit, let's say it's your left hand. You, you're right-handed, right? I am. So you're going to throw your power punch with your right hand? Yes. All right. If your left hand was banged up, it wouldn't mean as much as your right hand, right? Uh, it's your champion. Oh, now you're, start, it, I mean, now you're starting to make excuses. Okay. Baker's doing a lot with his left shoulder. Okay. All right. But it's not his strong shoulder. Let's accept that. But he got banged up. And at that point, at that point, he's gotten worse. 7.8 yards per attempt. That's above league average. Let's start there. 7.8. 64% completion. But if you look at last year, compared to the post-injury this year, he's dropped off. So now the question is, can he spin it that the first 1.2 games is the truth? I don't know if he even has these stats. Listen up, <laughs> Baker. I'm on your side, buddy. <laughs> I wonder what Baker did to call it. I mean, because I mean, the real question is if he somehow like shoved his daughter. Not not any sexual, but like, like they're in line somewhere, and the daughter, and he just shoves her. Would he be any more hardcore against him? Probably not. I mean, so it's it. I mean, you gotta love Colin because he, he's passionate and he sticks to his, you know, whatever the narrative is, he sticks to it. But man, it, it feels venomous sometimes. Here's and I'll take Colin's side on this one, and I'll take the side of— You're pro-Venom. Uh, I'll, I'll take the side of the—if I'm the Browns GM and I'm at the negotiating table, I say, who was that first game against where you lit it up? Okay. The uh, defending world champions from t- two years ago? Where do they rank in defense this year? They played a lot of tough teams. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I think that at this, if we went over—if we picked the metric on defense and we went over under, if you gave me even 26-and-a-half, I would go that KC will be better than that from here forward. So if you want to consider that, we'll let you consider. In fact, we'll let you ponder and give a yes or no to that. And we'll bet, you know, just 300. First, though. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm AJ Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. All right. All right. We're back. We're back. All right. AJ Hoffman running the show. Okay. So to wrap up our topic here, Baker Mayfield, it almost feels inevitable. He would be the first quarterback. And Kirk Cousins, we can debate, but Kirk Cousins was not even a first-round pick when he, you know, Washington. What happened after that? And still, they franchised him twice, right? Yep. So, it's like, would the Browns be the first team to be proactive and say he's not? We're protecting him. His stats are better than they should be. Look at all the great support he has around him. If we pay him forty million, thirty-eight million, forty-two million, that's over. Now he's got to carry the team. Even Russell Wilson hasn't been able to do that. No, and Russell Wilson, I think, is a lot better than Baker Mayfield. I think one thing you could look at and ask ask yourself this question if you're the Browns. If Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield switch spots, if Daniel Jones had the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield had the New York Giants, would there be much of a difference? Or you could even say Mitch Trubisky. You could say Mitch Trubisky. Because we're not sure. What we know is, in hindsight, Mitch Trubisky's better than any quarterback that's been with the Bears since or before or in the near past. You know, so it's interesting. Situations. I mean, Tannehill obviously is the perfect example. Tannehill is unequivocally 
a top 12 quarterback right now. The stats, it's just too many years are piling up that he's doing well. Does Henry help him? Yes. Does the scheme and the play action help him? Yes. But how many quarterbacks can you just say, you know, you're going to be surrounded by spendthrift talent because you know what, you're taking all the money, but you got to be good enough to carry the weight. Who's done that? Peyton Manning has done that? Even Brady hasn't fully done that. You can carry the weight to an extent, and I think Russell Wilson's carried it to where he's kept Seattle competitive, but not where you can carry them but to a you, Super Bowl. Here's an interesting question. Do you sign your quarterback, whoever he is, if God comes down and says, if you sign this contract, you won't win a Super Bowl, but you'll make the playoffs for the next five years? Do the Browns sign Mayfield in that case? No. No. Thus, you're saying that Mayfield's got to be better than Russell Wilson effectively, to carry the weight of a $40-plus million contract. Just like Josh Allen's going to have to be better than Russell Wilson now. And you could envision Josh Allen being better. You can't, Baker. I don't know. Not with what we've seen so far. And to close, if any team is willing to say, we're going to get out ahead of this, maybe it's the Browns. And if there's ever a time, if there's ever a time to do it, with him banged up, potentially looking to have a surgery. that If he has surgery, he's out for the year. And you can't pay him big money coming off of a surgery. But if he's going to look like crap, isn't he better not to? Wouldn't it be better if Rattler from Oklahoma hadn't played this year? It would have been. But he played. And it cost him tens of millions. And whereas Dak coming off a surgery got paid, but Dak looked so great before surgery that they just said, listen, if he's he's 90% of that, we're good. I've got one thing to say to close. Now let's play big bank, take little bank. When we come back... We're going to talk about, oh, boy, that was good. That was a lot of good Baker stuff. That was good. Colin would be pleased. I don't think so. No. <laughs> Too much ammunition. But again, good that he wants to be right. Listen, I, you can't, I can't love a radio guy more than I love Colin. He does seem to hate Baker Mayfield. When we come back, Ed Orgeron, LSU, what is going on there? I think it says a lot about society, actually. And also, NBA, what happened last night. And we'll throw a free pick in. That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Let's take a look at... Ed Orgeron out at LSU. Now he's going to finish a year coaching. Going, going or, to finish supposedly, supposedly, but obviously a lot of turmoil. They they looked good last week. Get a big win over Florida. Double digit underdogs. They were, and now we know though that he will not be there at the end of the year. All right, I like it when news events form and help me form a worldview, and it's my belief that the current or my worldview when it comes to football, involves the following. That the old school, the coach on, you know, um, what was that good movie? Uh, Varsity Blues. I like that movie. (laughs) Is like that coach, uh, John Voight, that guy doesn't cut it anymore. Because it seems he's a dinosaur. He's old school. And if there's any place on earth that old school had its day, like you would say, you know where I want it's an advantage to be old school? 
Well, not, let's say, in space travel. Like, if you're trying to work for NASA. Or Tesla. Yeah. There's, you know, no doubt there's, or if you're in a, like, a West Coast elite, you know, if you're old school, not a good thing necessarily. I mean, speaking of Texas, Friday Night Lights, when. <laughs> when they went to New York City once, and he's walking around with the boots on and everything, yeah, different. It's not. It's not good necessarily. Dustin Hoffman, Midnight Cowboy, no. Well, with a niche, it worked. But in general, football was the place. Old school works. So if you talk like Orgeron, you got an Ed Orgeron imitation. Do you want it? Yeah. Hey, get on out here with your sissy blue shirt. Exactly. See, that should be winning in football, <laughs> but it's not. And my question would be, if you had a young Turk, let's look at, I don't know, Kyle Shanahan. Oh, you just pull that one out of thin air? Yeah. Okay. Kyle Shanahan, young guy, pedigreed. He's always on the list of best coaches, except he's had one winning season in his life as a head coach. One. And they still didn't win at all. His best season, they didn't win at all. His next best season, they were under 500. So imagine I'm walking, like I'm a secretary that's a little bit sassy. And I walk in, next interviewee, Mr. Kyle Shanahan, one winning season in his career. Yeah. Doesn't sound so good, does not, it? Not all that great. Now, Mackenzie, is that fair? That is accurate and fair. Okay. Accurate is always fair. Okay. So now, walk in Ed Orgeron, and he might go, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> like Cookie Monster. <laughs> but the way you introduce him is the head coach of perhaps the greatest season in the history of college football. And that was... 14 months ago? <laughs> Not long ago at all. <laughs> okay. And oh, by the way, he's on the market. Now, it, to me, it goes to show you, if it was a young Turk that did what he did, it would be like, the future looks so bright. And when it's him, it's like, we got to get out. Yeah, we, I know we won, but let's make some excuses and let's get out of the past. And it goes to show you how dangerous it is for you to allow subjectivity into your analysis. But it's also, you talk about this a lot with players. We fall in love with upside and potential. Mm -hmm. And when a guy's in his 50s, we think we've seen the best of him. Except it's not, I don't, I think it's about his physical appearance where he's big and bulky and flashy. It's his voice. I think his voice is, I mean, listen, I think one one thing we're seeing for sure now is in Detroit that Campbell is a, a, a pretty smart coach. Yeah. Do you see that? I do. Th- I, I do think he's that. But when he did the knee biting, it was he like thought he was a moron. I didn't. I did. I know because you jumped to conclusions. I did. And I, my thinking is, all right, we got that, and we got Sean Payton had him as his right hand man. Which one is bigger? Well, apparently, knee biting was bigger for most of the media. Be careful with that. I'm not saying trends don't matter. The first question is, is the trend valid? Is it going to be advantageous to follow this trend? And number two, are we letting trends get in the way of the objective measure of things? I think Orgeron's better than this. He deserves better than this. Okay, a little business, and we got a best bat from you. Dealing with a dead battery? Head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. (laughs) It's a Wednesday tradition, a college football best bat. Yep, for tomorrow night, SMU hosting Tulane, SMU minus 13.5. Tulane has not covered against an FBS team this season since week one. 0-4 in their last four by a margin of 
18, minus 18 ATS. All right, so when they've played schools at their level, you know, not like the uh, – so w- that distinction is which schools fall into this category and which schools don't. FCS is anybody who's basically Division One okay, or, so or FBS gr- is. FCS are the guys that play for a, a tournament at the end of the year, not a bowl season. Okay, so like group of five, like Cincinnati, whatever. That's still FBS. Okay, so you got to be like Division Two, Division be, Three. You got to be like where uh, okay. where Trey Lance went to school. And they have and again <laughs> against those teams, they've the ATS margin is minus what? Minus eighteen points per game. Wow. Continue. Yeah, SMU one of the best passing offenses, grade second per PFF. Tulane one nineteenth in passing yards allowed. Big blow up spot here for SMU, who's unbeaten. SMU oh. minus thirteen and a half. Okay. Now you might be surprised that a professional like AJ is laying the lumber. Buckle up. He likes to lay the lumber. He keeps laying the lumber. And we talked a lot about Baker Mayfield. Think about that. Text me or, or tweet me at RJ in Vegas. Any of the comments that are good, we'll talk about tomorrow. I think this story obviously goes into tomorrow because they play on Thursday. We are straight out of Vegas. We're going to be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Vegas time, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Vegas!